Welcome back to Light of Red. Thanks for listening this week. Um, it, it was a bye week this week for football, so obviously we have less um, segments or I guess less content to talk about. So um, we have a team in mind that we are going to talk about for our second segment today after we do our news rundown, um, which I'm actually kind of excited about. It's it's a it's a breath of fresh air to to be able to talk about. Um, a new team that doesn't lose maybe as much. Refreshing, one could say. Yeah. Um, and then for the last segment, Stone um, and Patrick are going to go into a, a kind of a deep dive of some um, professional athletes, um, which I'm excited to hear about. And I'm hoping to learn a little bit about some baseball, too. Because if you know me, I don't know anything about baseball. Um, so, yeah. Before all that, we will about men's soccer and stone didn't did you want to add um just about the segment one just like content notes uh yes i just wanted to clarify stuff with the news segment um we had a few questions before uh with a few episodes and we just want to make it known that we do this you know beginning news segments like nc state sports news intro every single week because we want to preview all of these sports uh, and unfortunately, obviously, we're not going to be able to get intense, you know, deep dives into all these sports just because it would take a long time. Um, but I can assure that throughout the year when important, you know, games or important events pop up with each sport, we will go over them and they'll be covered. Uh, it's just, you know, some sports might not, you know, have as much information to go off of as others uh, but they'll always be in this new segment and like the new segment so um, if it's not you know if it's a particular sport and you don't think it was you know went in depth enough or maybe there wasn't enough stuff there I can assure you you know throughout this sports season whether it's spring fall winter um, it'll definitely be covered and have its fair share of um, talk with all three of us definitely um, yeah so and we're transitioning from fall to winter right now so there's going to be a shift in what we talk about in the beginning of the episodes, which I'm actually really excited about. Um, I think winter sports are arguably better than fall sports. Uh, that is my hot take. Um, yeah, so I'll start by talking about men's soccer. Um, they tied Syracuse recently, one-to-one. Syracuse uh, defending national champions, and they're also ranked number 19 in the country. So that's a huge win for this team. Um Technically tie, but it a good tie. game, keep, a huge game for them at it, least. It feels like a win sometimes when they do tie. But this team, yeah, it does. Taking the like we can get them. Yeah. Um, the only goal scored was by um, Karamoko. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I've seen him play a couple times, and he is a very aggressive and active player on the pitch. Like, all over the place when he does get minutes. Minutes are limited because he's a freshman, but... I think the team is going to be in very good hands with him and some other freshmen that are going to be playing next season. Hopefully him and uh, he can help Luke Hilly and uh, bring out the uh, good stars that we have because a lot of them are very young. So hopefully we can hit our peak in the next two to three years. For sure. Um, and then they have Clemson on Friday the 27th. They're the number 10 team in the country. So they won the national championship two years ago. So we have... The last two national champions are our last two games of the season, and I'm hoping that they can compete with Clemson. Clemson's a tougher opponent by ranking than Syracuse, so um, we will see. And if they do win that game or tie it, um, I think that'll provide, it'll shed more light on kind of the nature of their postseason position because right now we don't know. Um, speaking of postseason, women's soccer has been eliminated unfortunately, with a loss to the number 12-ranked Notre Dame. Um, not really much to say about that. It's been a disappointing season. Their best player, Jamise Joseph, uh, was thrown out with a red card. She obviously was playing a very emotional and passionate game, and um, Coach Santora at the end of the game just said, the better team won, and you know, you, you pack it up and try again next year. They have one more game against Florida State on the road, but um, that's it for Dale Stadium for women's soccer. So... Um, on a bigger and better things next year, hopefully. Um, after soccer, I have cross country down here. Um, cross country is 
about to start their ACC championship um, on Friday, the 27th. So, obviously, they're back-to-back national champions. Um, Caitlin Tui um, will almost definitely be running in this after only running in one regular season meet. Um, speaking of Tui, I saw her running down the street on campus, and I just thought that was that was such a, a cool and unique thing because, um, first of all, I was on the phone. Yeah, do the point. For the point of you saying it is because you were on the phone with me, I was on and the then phone she spawned in five yards away because I was on she the was phone. Summoned. Yeah, because I was on the phone and then ran past you, and then when you hung up, she despawned and then went back to, uh, you know, wherever she was, her house or something. Yeah, that's probably what happened. I can't can't dispute that, but it was it was cool to see her in that context, I guess, because usually you don't see athletes like outside of their like actually training for their sport because um, they have, you know, lavish practice facilities. But with cross country, obviously, it's, it's a little different. So, uh, yeah, wishing the best of luck to her and the rest of the team. Obviously, there's a whole there's a whole team, too. Like, Tui, Tui is uh, the most accomplished on the team. But we've talked about several runners um, throughout the season. And, you know, we have Grace Hartman is a sophomore. She's been great. Um, and then... A lot of handful, a handful of freshman runners that that I've gotten to see run um, probably are not going to be a part of this ACC championship competition. But um, I am excited about it, and I will stay tuned. And we'll have more to talk about next week. Uh, wrestling is starting. This is one of those winter sports I was talking about. Um, wrestle offs on Friday at Reynolds Coliseum, um, and they don't come back again until February. So if you're a wrestling fan, if you want to see some ACC championship banners. Go to Reynolds. Yeah, this will definitely be a sport that will be brought up uh, next semester with us because this is definitely a great stretch that we've had um, the past few years with ACC, uh, NC State Wrestling. Yeah, one of our best programs. So something to look forward to if you're just kind of down in the blues with football and and volleyball and um, soccer. So, yeah. Speaking of – well, before I get into volleyball, I'll just – mentioned softball and baseball because those are spring sports that are in preseason. Um, softball has a has a longer preseason than baseball, and baseball this past weekend had two preseason games that they won. Softball is still going, obviously. So more on that next week, um, as well as swimming and diving. They've started their season. That's a winter sport. So uh, those those will be in our lineup for the segment one going forward. So some new things to talk about, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, so like I like I mentioned, volleyball. Stone and I were at the most recent, not the most recent. We were at the one on Friday against Pitt. Um, Pitt was ranked number seven going into that matchup. Stone, uh, what did you think about that game? Poop, just poop. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um, not to you know, the dismay of the uh, athletes, just the game itself, um, and. How we showed up, how they showed up, it was just completely different, <laughs> opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, they dominated us. It was an 0-3 loss. We didn't win a single set. None of the sets were really even close. The The second set, was I, I would say, would be the closest one, and even then, it was only close in the beginning. We had led a little bit, uh, kind of went back and forth. Pitt ended up pulling away. Um, on a like more serious note, uh, the team just seemed a bit more dominant than NC State. They were much taller, had way more blocks. I believe they had triple the amount of blocks that NC State had. Anytime State would attempt to get a kill or a point, Pitt seemingly was able to find a way to hit it right back to him twice as hard, uh, had a lot of self-inflicted wounds. But even then, Pitt did too. So at the end of the day, it just comes down to Pitt playing and seeming like just a straight-up more dominant team. Um, which is unfortunate because obviously we were able to get that huge win against Louisville earlier in the year, and this unfortunately broke our 10-game win streak at home. Uh, and it also, you know, like I said, was a dominating loss. We didn't do it particularly anything well. Uh, so, you know, hopefully we can bounce back in the future, um, at least pre- you know, going on to the next game. Uh, it was pretty much exactly what I had previewed last episode – Pitt and Virginia, complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Virginia, we ended up killing them 3 nothing. None of that was really close at all either, so that's a good win. But 
uh, in terms of you know the pit game since we're going on about it just kind of disappointing um and hopefully we can uh, I won't say you know anything about our future games I'll let Pat or I'll let Patrick and Griffin get in here but uh, just kind of disappointing with the uh, pit win hopefully we can win in the future and get ranked back again yeah I mean they they haven't been ranked at all this season so or yeah I guess Back in the ranked conversation, because they were, I believe, in the receiving votes. They were around like 29 That's or 28. Game, yeah. yeah, so um, maybe we can get back there at least. Yeah, as a fan and as someone who covers volleyball, that was really disappointing to see. Um, I've been doing this for two years now, and that's the worst I've seen them play, which was just super unfortunate because you have to be on your A game against um, a top 10 team. So... I mean, there you can't have an off night against a good team, basically, and that's just what happened. And the way they were setting the ball, they were like, it was like being set up for spikes, like almost out of bounds, so almost impossible for the front line to get to the ball. Um, Rice, it was her first game back; she had limited minutes, so that obviously didn't help. I will say she was very good. Uh, Ava, Amanda Rice, and Ava Brizard were. If one of them, if one of them was not on the court, we just did not have a chance to win. Like, those were the only two players that even had a positive hitting percentage. So, uh, Broussard and Rice definitely, you know, are two clear best players. But like you said, Rice didn't play as much, and we've got to have other people step up if we want to compete. We also had a negative experience at that game. <laughs> um, I, know, I don't know if you want to talk about that, if it's still, like, a sensitive topic for you. I would say I'm over it. Um, I guess a little bit, not really, but uh, cheering up a little bit over there. But yeah, so f- if you don't know, for this pit game, uh, they were promoting it as, "Hey, if the first two hundred people that come in get free Chick Fil A sandwiches," I was like, "That's awesome! I love Chick Fil A." So I was already going to cover the game with Griffin, so I was, we were like, "Hey, let's go early, and we can get you know a seat because we're part of the media, so we wanted a good seat." Um, because there were a lot of media people coming there, because uh, Pitt was also bringing their media team, so a lot of coverage for the game, and we were like, let's go early and get the sandwiches. So we go in early. First of all, we went in, and no one even checked anything. No one. We had passes on, and no one cared at all. Like we could have easily been two random people who just grabbed a pass that looked like a student media pass and walked in, and even check our bags either. So kind of. It was kind of weird, but uh, nonetheless, um, we went in and uh, we put, got our sit- stuff situated, went down, and we were like, all right, I want to go get you know that sandwich. Let me check where it is because uh, we had waited a little bit, and then they were just starting to open the gates. So we went down. We were like, hey, do you, you know, could we get one since we just got in? And they were like, sorry, this is like for students only. And I thought, I was like, okay, well, I'm clearly a student. Like, We don't look like we're 35-year-old random men who just are in the stadium, so we're obviously students. Uh, and then he was like, um, I was like, yeah, we're, we're students, you know, this is our student media pass. He was like, well, no, since you're the media, you're t- not technically students that are coming in here. I was like, okay, that's dumb, but whatever. Um, could I have a sandwich, please? And he was like, uh, I can't give you one right now, but if you come back in 30 minutes and there's still some, I'll, I'll let you guys have some. I was like, okay, perfect. So we go back up, wait 30 minutes. I'm like watching the clock every five minutes because I'm, so hungry I haven't eaten in like 10 hours and then I go back down and I'm like hey I'm back you know what's up do you mind if I get a sandwich and he's like sorry there's still people coming in and I watch him give like the last five sandwiches away and um he like did it so maliciously like he was so happy to watch me be sad about him giving away all the sandwiches um and it's just the guy who's the same age as us that takes his job too seriously because he thinks he's doing something that's actually relevant um for the stadium even though he's just handing out sandwiches so um yeah i hope he i hope he enjoyed i hope he enjoyed that because congrats <laughs> you gave that one random fan a sandwich even though they were should have been given to me but whatever it's fine so yeah that, that was unfortunate and i didn't go back down because i was embarrassed so stone had to get rejected twice i'm not embarrassed i don't care i want a sandwich Griffin was just up there with his head in his hands just yep. upset yeah it was a rough night for everybody um yeah, Patrick, did you have anything you wanted to say about volleyball or didn't still uh still up in arms over the Chick-fil-A blunder? Just can't get over it. Yeah. Um do you want to like what what are the rules of, of volleyball? Why don't you do this? So my my only my only experience with volleyball is my um 
best friends. I go to my best friend's little sister's volleyball games with him. That was no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider JV volleyball to be high quality. I don't know if I have the best representation of the sport in my past. Yeah, I think next week, next week, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have you break down volleyball. Okay. We're gonna have you learn it in a week, and then you're gonna be our volleyball expert. Okay. And you'll have a lot to contribute to the conversation. I'm really looking forward to this. This sounds like a good segment. Um, excited. Yeah. So that was that was what we have for volleyball. They have uh, Duke on the 27th and UNC on the 29th. So our in-state rivals, let's see if we can come away with some Ws, get back on track after the Virginia win, or I guess can, can continue to stay on track. Quick um, notes about those two games. Um, both of them are almost the same in terms of kind of our history with them and then their current state right now. Uh, we have not won at Duke since 2001. It's been 0-18, haven't won at Duke, but... Uh, but right now they're not great. Uh, Duke is three and five in their last eight, so that's not particularly a team that is insanely scary. The only bad part is that it's on the road, and that's the same thing with UNC. UNC is also on the road two days later, and it's virtually the same thing, uh, except maybe a little farther. Uh, instead of 2001, it's been since 1999, uh, and we are 0 and 19 at UNC. The last win versus them in general was in 2018 when we were at home obviously uh, but UNC is also not that good they're currently 10 and 9 and have lost three games at home which is a lot for you know a competitive ACC volleyball team um, so it's very possible we could win I hope at least one of these games um, it would especially be nice because they're both you know obviously our two biggest rivals I would say UNC would be the most realistic one um, but hopefully we can come away with a redeeming W on these two road games. Uh, okay, well that's perfect. Let's jump right into or into segment two. So to what? What what word did you just say? Segment two. No, no, before that. <laughs> Trey. Tra- tra- I just I was thinking about what I said earlier, and then I got confused. It's a little bit difficult. Sorry. Um, you know who else is confused? Ooh. NC State fans and why our football team is so bad. It's true. Uh, Very true. That's a that's a valid point. And speaking of football, we had a bye week this week, so um, we don't have any notes on football this week because we're too tired of talking about losing. And I mean, there really wouldn't be much to say. I mean, they've I don't know if the depth charts are out yet or anything. But what we're gonna do instead is we're gonna talk about. The ACC, college football, and in particular, we want to talk about uh, UNC losing to Virginia. Um, it's always a treat. When that was a, the highlight of my weekend. When I mean, a major rival loses. It was, that was wonderful. Yeah. So, um, I guess I'll let, I'll let Patrick go ahead and just tell us about kind of what's happening in college football right now in the ACC. Do, oh, ACC, or the, do you want to talk, talk about the UNC loss first, or more specifically the ACC? Um, I think I mean it ties together pretty well. So whatever. I would you're... so I would just say starting out, um, I would say the ACC landscape as a whole kind of differs from what we were expecting at the beginning of preseason. Um, State was supposed to have a maybe I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say a down year, but they were definitely their expectations were a lot higher going into the year than where they're at right now. Um, Brendan Armstrong's impact was supposed to be a lot greater. Um, as we've seen obviously since he's been benched, that wasn't quite the way we plan on having that play out um Clemson as well um Clemson's just straight up not good this year um I know last year they were teetering a little bit as well but this is like just an implosion we're at four and three and obviously we didn't have too many the the same expectations that Clemson has going into the season and Clemson's also four and three coming into our game this weekend um so that's definitely not what we were looking at from the preseason um UNC and Florida State um, Florida State, I believe, started the season at nine. Um, they've been in and out of the top four since week two, so they've definitely lived up to their expectations. Um, Chapel Hill, as well, had some pretty high expectations going into the season. Um, as you were saying, as it connects, they had their loss <laughs> over the weekend, which was wonderful. Um, I have a, my one of my best friends is a, just a gigantic Chapel Hill fan, and at like the whole course of the game, he was just texting in the group chat like this. This isn't. They're not blocking for Drake. They're. This isn't Drake's fault. Everything like like free Tez Walker. Like it's just. You know, I, I don't think all that stuff is wrong. 
um, UNC, as someone who watches a lot of their stuff, they play with their food way too much. And they let these teams get in, and it bites them in the butt. And it easily could have happened with App State earlier in the season. App State's obviously had close games with them before. They just always lose that those one or two games that they should win, um, which keeps them from being any sort of elite program. Um, so I, at least the state with their team, Mac Brown, their head coach, is an awesome recruiter, probably one of the best, probably the best in the state of North Carolina, one of the best in the country, but they cannot get the coaching right at all, which is obviously prohibiting them from doing well. Um, but I don't really see this extremely on May either. Uh, the team had five drops. He accounted for three touchdowns, had 350 yards. The defense was very poor, and the interception that he had was obviously they were trying to drive down the field. He got hit while he was throwing, and Virginia dove for a pick. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't put that on Drake May either. Uh, the defense is just very inconsistent, and um, if – you know, obviously, you look at State's game against them and Carolina's. You say, "Oh my God! Like we did so good. We beat them at Virginia, and they beat Carolina, you know, at Carolina." Um, but that's obviously not how football works, and you don't just go off of what happened in games before. Um, but this officially takes them out of the college football playoff conversation. I don't care if they win the ACC. Um, I don't think losing to a one-win Virginia team at home is. I think that's a huge hindrance on their record, and they may end up getting a good bowl game. But uh, I don't. I think their college football play hopes uh, are pretty much over. I was, I was one of the pe- one of the uh, people I was watching the game with was like, you know, Chapel Hill always has something that goes their way. They're they're lucky. And then as soon as he said that, that was when they had the the tip or the fumble out of the back of the end zone. And I was like, this this is gonna be it. Like, this is gonna be where Chapel Hill gets their lucky moment. But then of course they had the interception on the next or one of the following drives, which was definitely convenient. Um, and then this, just for the overall, so the, uh, the ACC landscape, um, I don't I don't think at this point FSU um, has any real competition. I think, I think Chapel Hill, at this point, especially after the Virginia loss, there's not really much else that they're going to do following a 17. Um, I think it's, uh, I mean, we know what the ACC championship is going to probably be, but in terms of rankings, FSU is going to probably stay up there. Florida, uh, yeah, it's Florida State and everyone else. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's just, it's, it, I think just the big thing is that FSU is just the most complete team in the conference. It's but close. as a team, I think they're extremely overrated. Uh, and the ACC is super, super weak. Are you saying like in terms of like college football playoffs? Yes, because they're ranked very high. I agree. Um, but I think they're clearly the best team in the ACC. Mm-hmm. They probably will win it. Only teams realistically that are behind them are probably Louisville, Um UNC, obviously, but they had a bad loss. Maybe Miami or Clemson if they end up playing hot because they've shown, you know, obviously very high peaks. Just they've had some valleys as well. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Florida State, they've had some close calls to unranked teams. Yeah, Clemson and Boston College, they only won by two points. Uh, they beat Duke last week, which was their best win, but it was at home, and Riley Leonard, their star quarterback, was hurt. And Duke was, like, right in the game when he was playing. And then he got injured, and it went all downhill. So if they make the college football playoff, which they obviously could because the ACC is pretty weak and they could just win out, um, they'll be the worst team there. They're a top-10 team, but uh, they're not up there with the other ones. I think what's massively boosting them up is their win um, over Louisville. I'm oh, sorry, not Louisville, over LSU in week one. Because now LSU is ranked 15, so obviously they're not the – fifth-ranked team they were at the beginning of the season or were at least expected to be. So I think after that, after that, they really haven't had any too many impressive wins. Like you said, they beat Duke, but they didn't have Riley Leonard. Um, and then really, I mean, they have an impressive win over Syracuse, but then too many too many close calls against unranked teams. I yeah, mean, and I mean, cool. obviously with college football, it's weird in terms of it's a sport where your entire resume matters so much, whereas college basketball or other sports like you or NFL, you can drop a game here or there and it won't greatly affect your team. Like that's why you don't see NFL teams go undefeated all the time and still be all-time great teams. Um, but I mean, it was one of the first games of the season against LSU. They're obviously still getting all their stuff together. They have a coach that was in their second year, new quarterback, like yeah, now they're good, but if they played each other now, it would be a very different game. Louisville, LSU might even win the game. I think they would. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as you said, 
Fitzpatrick. That's pretty much the reason they're up there. Um, but I don't know if they stand with, you know, the Michigans, which I think is the best team in the country with all of their NFL talent they have. Georgia, Ohio State, Washington, Oklahoma, Bama. I don't. I think they would lose to all those teams. And then I guess kind of carrying over now, specifically um, into the college football playoffs outlook. Griffin, did you have any um, predictions, or I guess your top teams for, in the top four? For the college football playoffs? Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, the top four in general, but, like, what you think will end up being in the top four. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think I've, I've been following NC State a lot more than other teams. I know Georgia is up there. Um, I'm trying to think. You guys, I mean, we just talked about. I think Florida State will make it. Um, as I mean, obviously, this will be the only ACC school that makes it in. And then the other two, I think, are, are more up for grabs. Is that? I think with... The di- I think there's a clear difference between where the best teams are and what the college football playoff will be because I think all those teams I listed are better, and I even would pick Oregon and Penn State. I think they're actually better than Florida State as well because they play just a much harder yeah. schedule and played a lot of teams, but they've lost. And Florida State, as you said, will probably make it because they don't have a hard schedule in the future. They don't play a single-ranked team, at least as of this point. And in the ACC championship, they would obviously play, you know, a good team. But realistically, it won't be someone that can extremely rival them. I hope they lose because I don't think they deserve to be in it. But realistically, they probably more likely than not will win out and be there. And it'll pretty much just be, you know, Georgia, who I think will win the SEC. If they don't win it, then uh, I believe Bama should be there because they will most likely be the team that beats Georgia if any team does. Um, And then you got other teams like Washington and Oklahoma who are both undefeated and have both gotten huge wins. Washington beating a great, super-balanced Oregon team and Oklahoma beating Texas on the road, which was an extremely, extremely good win. And Texas is now kind of out of the picture because they lost Quinn Ewers for the, you know, a good few weeks. So um, one of Oklahoma and Washington, if they went out, they're going to have to make it. And then you got to have the winner of the Big Ten because the winner of the Big Ten is probably going to be the best or second best team in the country. And that's either going to be Michigan or Ohio State. And they play each other on the last game of the season. I hope both of them make it because I think they're both deserving. Um, But I feel like those are kind of your seven teams right now that are in the mix for the college football playoff. I I liked your point about Washington because they go through a gauntlet um, over the next couple weeks with with ranked teams. Um, Obviously, Stanford's not, not good or ranked. Um, but then they play USC and Caleb Williams, Utah, Oregon State, and then they play Washington State that was also previously ranked. That I mean, if they – I think they are currently the fourth or third best team. If they beat all those teams, yeah. they deserve to be top two because Oregon State and Utah both are borderline top ten teams. Oregon State, I would put top ten. I think yeah. they are playing phenomenal football. Utah obviously is playing very well. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah. Their defense, their defense is a little bit suspect, but I think Michael Penix and the rest of that offense will is a lot of talent on on offense there. So I think they, I mean they have three NFL receivers, yeah. NFL tackles, quarterbacks in the NFL. Washington is an NFL offense. Yeah. If there's any team that I think that can, if if Florida Florida's mar, uh Florida State sorry their margin for error is small because if they lose Washington will easily push up into that and they have they don't really have much of a much of a case the rest of the season because I mean. The rest of Florida State schedule, they play Wake Forest, Pitt, Miami, North Alabama, and then Florida. So they're what they have compared to the rest of the teams that are uh, inching up behind them is just it's not even comparable. And I, I like what you said also about Bama Stone because I feel like Bama is one of those teams that they have they'll have hiccups in the middle of the season, but I feel like once it gets into the actual college football playoffs and when it actually counts. Bama is going to be one of the best teams. In yeah, there. I think they're yeah. they're still under the radar. I don't feel like people are talking about yeah. them enough. I think they're like, yeah. obviously, sometimes the AP rankings are a little like they have Texas still in the top ten. I don't think they should still be in the top ten, especially after losing their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And they have Florida State super high when other teams have just played better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Bama is a top six, seven team. Um, and like I said, if there were be to be a team that would knock Georgia off in the SEC right now, it would be Bama. But if I were to give you a prediction right now, if we want to do it quickly, I would give you Michigan, Georgia, Washington, and Florida State. I don't want Florida State to be in there. Um, so if I could just give one switch, it would be um, having Ohio State 
give giving them the benefit of the doubt if they let's say lose a super close game on the road to Michigan and let's say they go instead of being three they fall to four which has happened before for them um, that would be my ideal college football playoff but if Florida State wins out they will most likely end up making it so you said so the one that was getting dropped from the four right now is going to be Ohio State it's because it's just going to be so hard if if Washington and Oklahoma and Florida State all went out one of them or two of them probably has to be in uh, ideally I think unfortunately Washington might end up you know Washington or Oklahoma probably might end up losing. Um, I, if I had to pick, I'd say Oklahoma. Uh, but Washington plays, like you said, a gauntlet. So um, it's just hard to tell. But I think Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State ideally would be at four, but it'll probably be Florida State. Um, and then one of either Washington or Oklahoma. Yeah, I agree. I um, I know we talked about this previously, but um, – I don't know. Michigan, I always get weird vibes from Michigan just because I always feel like they're they're ranked high consistently through the season, but then they don't fare too well in the playoffs. Their defense, though, I mean, 5.9 points per game allowed. There's really not much you can say about That's that. absurd. Yeah, I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, Granted, they, yeah. they haven't Yeah, they haven't played a lot of people, so they'll actually be tested uh, yeah. these next few weeks. Yeah. But I, th- I personally think they can live up to that. Yeah. And, yeah, what you were saying about Ohio State, too, if they're the team to drop, because if Michigan does win out, they play Ohio State last. So Michigan, really, Ohio State's future, you could say, is in in the hands of Michigan because if they if they beat them, they're not I, they're going to get dropped. Even if they lose, I'll say if they lose a super close game, I think the committee we'll could see. give them the benefit of the yeah. doubt if these other teams like Washington, Oklahoma, and Florida State All, the lose. Ones, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, and Michigan also – um, if they lose to Ohio State before then, they still play um, uh, Penn State, so they they still have a which is a very good yeah, team to uh, rank ten. So that would they they're gonna still have a couple hard tests. I mean they they play Purdue and Maryland, which obviously isn't gonna be as um, strong. But I think that if they win that Penn State game, then they drop it to Ohio State. I agree. I think the committee will probably overlook it and say they need to be in this. Well, thanks for sharing that, guys. Because obviously you both know a lot more about the college football playoff landscape than I do. Um, I forgot about Washington, obviously. And then I think J.J. McCarthy leads in Heisman uh, candidacy vote. Yeah, like, Heisman this year is not super dominant in terms of, like, one play because people are disappointed in Caleb Williams, yeah. which I still think he's the n- clear number one overall pick in the draft. Yeah. And if you don't, then you're going to look even, stupid even the next like, year. Yeah. <laughs> like, the last two games he's had, they were a little iffy, but then people were, like, acting like two bad consecutive games is – writing him off as a prospect it's as a the whole. worst game he's had like in his entire college career and it wasn't even that horrendous yeah so he'll still be there but yeah jj mccarthy is the leading candidate i would say him and michael Penix jr who's the quarterback for washington are the two that i would look at right now right absolutely um yeah so i wanted to also talk about kind of the personnel on unc um i know they're not going to be as relevant because obviously we have well, we mentioned Florida State, Washington, um, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. All those teams are in contention for the college football playoffs. Uh, with UNC losing to Virginia, that's, I mean, it's just so competitive. So that's why they're kind of, I mean, written off at this point. Um, but they had, I mean, this is something that we've been meaning to talk about for a while. Just because they're so close to us. Like in like geographically speaking, and just like in the medical metaphorical sense, like there are rivals and there are are like our, I mean our sister school basically, um same programs and similar structures and stuff like that. So, um, they have a a receiver, a redshirt junior receiver, Tez Walker, um, who wasn't uh, he wasn't being allowed to play early in the season. And I wish that we were able to bring this up a little bit earlier because, I mean, now with them losing, it's like it's less of a, a storyline almost. But um, for those of you who don't know, Tez Walker, he transferred from NC Central to Kent State um, and then came to UNC. And the rule is that if you transfer more than one time, you have to sit a year. So the transfer portal has changed a lot of these transfer rules, and it's a lot more player friendly. Um, 
but the system kind of let Tez Walker and UNC down here um, because he didn't actually play at NC Central. He didn't play a game, and he didn't enjoy it there, and so he left, and the NCAA um, allegedly didn't have this information. I mean, there are, it's, it's kind of a hard story. I think there are still going to be details that come out about this, but um, it, se- it, it was said that uh, he was obviously trying to double transfer because he had transferred um, to Kent State after he was at Central and then very quickly after went to Carolina because they were looking at him. And then we, when he declared there, they didn't let him in. NCAA takes forever to do anything anyways. That's why we didn't bring it up, but um, all the sign-stealing allegations with Michigan, all that stuff that's going on, which, by the way, it's not as big of a deal as they're making it out to be, um, but there might be punishments that come down the line. None of it's going to happen this year because the NCAA takes a long time to do stuff. But uh, there was reportedly certain information that UNC didn't provide, and that information hasn't been revealed yet because the NCAA said they want to, quote, you know, keep respect towards um, the personal life and just privateness of Tez Walker. So it's really confusing about what sort of information that Carolina didn't reveal that they then revealed later that suddenly allowed the NCAA to be like, okay, yeah, we're going to let Tez Walker play. Um, But that was essentially what was prohibiting them, but it's still not even known by the public right now. Yeah. And I mean, he's only, he's played in three games and he's had, I mean, the first game started a little slow last two games, over a hundred yards, multiple touchdowns. He's really clicking with Drake may and he's looking like their best receiver. Um, So, I mean, even though there are there are our rivals, I feel like it's best for everyone when the best players play, um, and especially like, I mean, Mac Brown. I'm gonna read the Mac Brown quote on on what he had to say about it a couple weeks ago. He said, "The decision makers at the NCAA and on the committee should be ashamed of themselves for doing this to a young man." As has been clearly documented, Ted should be eligible for a number of reasons not the least of which is the mental health issues he's faced during his time in college. With this decision, the NCAA has placed an unnecessary burden on him. He's had a rough go of it, and this will surely only make it worse. How dare they ever speak about mental health and student-athlete welfare again? Um, I think that's a pretty powerful quote, and then that, that I mean, that's, that's a bigger issue. So I'm glad that he got to play, and I think that uh, both parties are accountable. And it's relevant to us, too, because we also have an athlete who's a double transfer. Um, one of our our newly acquired players, Cam Woods, is a double transfer. He came from um, Troy in 2020-2021 and then went to A&T, NCA&T, 2022-2023, and now he's here. And... It seems like it's the same rule, so I'm curious to see how that develops. I, he's not obviously a Tez Walker level player, but um, my understanding of this rule is that if you are a double transfer, you have to sit for a year. Um, so obviously, I would want to see him play. So I'm I'm interested, kind of nervous to see what happens with that yeah, situation. Yeah, the Tez Walker thing is like a, a massive deal and then a similar situation is going on and there's just no like no comments about it. Well, I mean, not it's even just, that. It's just like when when it comes time to play, well, what yeah. are they going to say? That's what I was saying. Though. I'm saying like that there's there has, it hasn't been talked about yet. and we're, we're getting closer and closer to the season and there hasn't been too much talk on it, which is, I, I don't, it's just, that's, that's just the, the problem I would say with the NCAA as a whole. It's just poor communication. And like Stone said, long pro long unneeded processes um for things that could probably be sorted out relatively quickly but yeah yeah i things are changing though uh, things are definitely changing Absolutely. and you guys were talking about the college football playoffs and i didn't even mention this but like the format of that is changing too so yeah we talk about all these teams not getting an opportunity like in with better conferences um they'll all get a chance right soon when they you know move to even more teams yeah I think that's a good stopping point for that segment. Um, we had to cut this segment last week, but I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this, Stone. We're going to talk about some professional athletes. Yeah, it's just not going to go in crazy long, but just want to bring up some pack pros. These are, you know, guys we just want to check on. They're graduates from NC State, uh, went here and 
went into their respective sports and just seeing how they're playing right now. Uh, so starting with football, in the NFL, we have a duo guard, uh, or a duo team at least, uh, of two offensive linemen that are both on the same team, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, guard Chandler Zavala and tackle Ikemekwanu. Uh Zavala is the most recent pick. He was a 2023 fourth-round pick. Um, unfortunately for him and the team, they're not playing extremely well. Uh, I'd say Ikemekwanu is giving at least the most hope. Uh, as he was drafted very high in the 2022 NFL draft. He was a first-round pick. Uh, he's not playing too bad, but he's uh, still not producing like a top you know, 10 pick, um, but O-line does take a bit longer to develop, so hopefully he can, he can get that together. Still a great run blocker, just needs to improve his pass blocking. And then Chandler Zavala, uh, a few weeks ago, had a very scary neck injury versus the Lions, reportedly went to the hospital. Um, it seems like he is now back with the team. It's just his return is currently unknown, um, so hopefully he is able to get better and, you know, try and um, regain his starting spot on the Panthers because he, he was starting because of injury, but... Um, wasn't playing amazing, but wasn't playing horrendously bad. Um, so, again, offensive linemen takes a while for them to develop. So, hopefully, our pack pros, our duo in Carolina, can get better there. Um, but we also have some other O linemen that are actually really good. Uh, we do a pretty good job in producing some of these offensive linemen. Minnesota center Garrett Bradbury for the Vikings was a 2019 first round pick, and he is currently playing very well on a Minnesota team that is, I think, better than their record shows. Um, just beat Kansas City, or just beat uh, San Francisco Monday night, uh, the day before, since we're recording this on Tuesday. Currently, throughout the season, he has a perfect pass-blocking efficiency grade and is top two in blocking grade just overall among centers, so playing very well, like an all-pro pro bowler right now. And then Kansas City, we also have a guard that is named Joe Tooney, and he has played very well. He's been in the league a little bit longer. He was a 2016 third-round pick for the New England Patriots, is a two-time All-Pro, three-time Super Bowl champion because he had signed with the Kansas City Chiefs when they won a Super Bowl, and is one of the best guards in the league and on one of the best teams in the league, helping protect the best quarterback in the league. So pretty high regards for some NC State offensive linemen there. Then we got some more... NFL players from state, an offensive skills position guy. Don't have a ton of those in the NFL, at least not right now, but we do have a pretty solid one. Uh, wide receiver Jacoby Myers, currently for the Las Vegas Raiders, undrafted in 2019 to the New England Patriots. He's not a pro bowler or anything, but is proven to be a very good starter. Uh, he has the most yards and receptions on the Patriots since he came to the team in 2019. And that still stands even with him being on a different team right now. <laughs> so he definitely left his mark in New England. Uh, he's tied fourth in the NFL for touchdowns right now with four touchdowns over five games. Uh, so pretty solid play. Uh, and he's now in Las Vegas looking pretty good. Do you have anything to say on that, Patrick? I, I really like Jacoby Myers. And I think his um, his role alongside Devontae Adams is really nice. Uh, sitting with 385 yards. And you say it was a four or five touchdowns in the season. I had written this down later, so it might be even more I think it's by five, this yeah, point. It's five now. Yeah, Actually, I think it's I, five. Yeah. So he's five touch yeah, three hundred and eighty five yards, five touchdowns in the season. What I find really interesting about him is if you look, Devontae Adams recently, I'm not saying about Devontae Adams as a player, but he's had some up and down performances. Obviously, things in Vegas are all over the place. But Jacoby Myers has been consistent. Games that Devontae Adams has had down games, uh, Jacoby Myers has remained consistent. And I'm not sure if that has been, you know, if he has better chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo, which that could very well be the case. But something that I find very interesting, I know the Raiders have been adamant that they're not, or they're, at least what the press is saying, is that the Raiders are adamant that um, Devontae Adams is not going to be traded. But Devontae Adams has expressed numerous times that he's unhappy. So if Devontae Adams, for some reason, was to get out of um, Las Vegas, I would like to see the trajectory of Jacoby's career because a wide receiver one role would be very interesting for him considering the last time he had, well, when he was in a wide receiver one role, it was with Mac Jones. So in uh, in Vegas, I think as a wide receiver one with arguably a better quarterback, that'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, I'd say they're relatively similar. He also had Cam Newton for a year, um, that was who it. actually was not that bad yeah. towards the end of his season. He actually literally almost made the playoffs in a COVID year with that team. But um, yeah, playing, playing pretty well. Not a crazy player, but definitely a valuable one in the NFL. 
NC State has also produced some good defensive starters around the league. Uh, defensive tackle Aleem McNeil, third-round pick in 2021, currently playing for the Detroit Lions, is having a relatively, you know, breakout season in his third year. Uh, he grades as a top-five run blocker for interior defensive linemen and is helping lead the Lions to one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Now, obviously, they just uh, got exposed a little bit uh, to the Ravens recently, but still on a very good team, helping them emerge. Very young as well. So hopefully he can have a pretty good career. Cincinnati linebacker Jermaine Pratt, also an NC State boy, 2019 third-round pick, uh, had a breakout season for Cincinnati last year as they had a great season, played like a top-10 linebacker, and was one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. Uh, He's not having the same start to the season as he did last year, which Cincinnati in themselves is not really doing that, but, uh, you know, is still currently top-10 in tackles and allowed passer rating for linebackers, which is like not allowing a lot, but, you know, allowing a low passer rating. So still having a pretty good season. Um, And then the one that most people probably know is uh, Miami, currently on the Miami, former Denver Bronco edge rusher Bradley Chubb, 2018 first-round pick with Denver. I'd say probably, I mean, Ika McQuanu is obviously a great player, um, but I think Chubb is probably the most hyped-up guy since. Um, at least in terms of the draft, and there haven't been a lot. There obviously there were guys after him, but um, hasn't really been as as big as Bradley Chubb because he was very hyped, especially you know just in Carolina, obviously or in the state of North Carolina, um, especially for NC State. But he's not really had exactly what you'd expect of a top five pick. Um, but did have injuries, and unfortunately you know hasn't been able to reach the heights that were expected. But he's still a very good starter, two time Pro Bowler. An important part of one of the best teams in the NFL, helping them have a top 10 defense in the NFL. Um, you know, among players with 15 or more tackles, Chubb has the lowest missed tackle rate, so he's still producing very well. Uh, and then we got some punters, too. NC State can produce some punters. Las Vegas punter A.J. Cole, undrafted in 2019, is a two-time Pro Bowler and a one-time All-Pro, one of the best punters in the league. Uh, and then Chicago, we also have a punter over there in Trenton Gill, who is a 2022 seventh-round pick who was solid last year and has earned his job again this year. So those are some pack pros in the NFL. Now going to the NBA, we got point guard Dennis Smith Jr., obviously extremely hyped when he came out in 2017, first-round pick, ended up being the ninth overall pick in the NBA draft. Has not really lived up to the hype at all, but I don't think you can say he's a complete bust because he's still playing in the NFL. Uh, he's been around the trade block. NBA. Or NBA, not NFL. Um, <laughs> Probably could play in the NFL. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, actually, uh, interesting enough, um, he kind of had his career wrapped up um, before he signed with the Hornets last year. He was calling his agent, and he reached out in attempts to get have an NFL career, wanted to give it a shot. Um, that's how, like, like it was like it was over for him. Kind of wishful thinking um, of him being in the NFL, but uh, still, at least with his career, um, it's been kind of interesting. He's kind of been around the block. Uh, was drafted to Dallas, uh, where you know he uh, had his best season, to be honest, in his rookie year. 15 points per game, 5 assists. Then was traded to New York as a pretty big part of the Kristaps Porzingis trade. Got lost in the rotation with New York, didn't shoot well. Didn't get the ball enough. Traded to Detroit, then signed with Portland, recently with the Hornets. Kind of had a mini resurgence here in Charlotte. Um, and now he just recently signed with the Brooklyn Nets. So at least he's still in the NF- uh, in the NBA. I keep saying NFL. NBA. Uh, shooting guard uh, Darian Sebron, undrafted in 2022, ended up signing a contract with the New Orleans Pelicans. He did sign a two-way deal. He's currently still on the roster. Um, so... Obviously, some of you remember him playing at NC State. Pretty solid there. Uh, and then they got TJ Warren, who was much later, 2014. Uh, he was a 14th overall pick in the first round. Been a solid starter for his career so far, uh, especially in the bubble, as probably the most notable point of his career uh, when the bubble was going on in the COVID season. Um, but is currently a free agent talking with the Celtics. And then, obviously, we have Traquavion Smith, who uh, got 
was he a second round pick or undrafted? I, I believe he was. He went undrafted, which was kind of odd. And is now on the 76ers. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Played, and he's on their roster. So, um, you know, that's that's pretty cool that he's there. Hopefully, he can get some time, especially with the with the Harden situation. He could definitely. I mean, obviously, he's very. I think he's on a two way contract, I believe, and he's deep on the depth chart. But especially if there's injuries, and then if you're taking James Harden out of the equation, he could definitely get bumped up to the active roster for a bit yeah. more minutes. So hopefully, he gets some playing time there. He was really. I really liked watching him. Uh, especially in the tournament against Creighton. And then we got some baseball players. Uh, we Griffin's have, favorite. yes, <laughs> <laughs> we actually got, the baseball, this is probably where we have, like, the best players uh, from state, ironically. Um, there's two that are much higher, and then there's two a little bit lower. Um, starting with the other two, there's catcher Anzu- Andrew uh, Kinzer, who is a seventh-round pick in 2016. Didn't play in the MLB until 2019. Uh, is currently with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um not necessarily, you know, getting a ton of rotation there, but still in the league. Uh, we also have another catcher, Patrick Bailey, 2022 first-round pick, just had his rookie year with the San Francisco Giants. Played pretty solid. Uh, he's going to stay in the majors for this next season, so that's pretty good for him. Obviously, if you don't know baseball, a lot of guys kind of go up and down if they're not, you know, superstars or guys that are getting paid hundreds of million of dollars. So for a rookie... Played good in his first year. It's nice that he's going to stay on the team. And then uh, we have two other guys that are definitely probably some of the best players uh, in the MLB. Um, pitcher Carlos Roden, who is a 16th round pick in 2011. You guys probably don't remember this player, um, but very slept on and did not play in the MLB until 2015, where he got his chance with the Chicago White Sox and has emerged at least this season, because from 2015, I'd say until 2020, he was like fine. He was a solid player, but uh, 2021 and 2022 really broke out. He was a two-time All-Star both in those two years, signed a six-year, $162 million deal with the Yankees last offseason, and is currently a top 10 pitcher in the MLB. And then probably the best player that we have currently is shortstop Trey Turner, who was a 2013 first-round pick, very hyped up as a recruit, went to state, obviously got picked in the first round, and he has been a two-time All-Star, a 2019 World Series champion, won the batting title in 2021, has been first in hits for two seasons, and is currently on the Philadelphia Phillies right there with Bryce Harper as their best player, um, where they are currently in the NLCS, meaning they are one round away from playing in the World Series, which is basically the championship and they're currently versing the Arizona Diamondbacks, and that game is happening on Tuesday, so it'll be done by the time this episode comes out, and uh, we're rooting for him, and hopefully he can uh, win that game, and I hope the Phillies end up winning the World Series, and uh, that'd be really cool, and it's nice that we have someone who's currently acknowledged as the best shortstop in the MLB as a Wolfpack. Yeah, I, I can say I've heard about him. I'd if, hope if so. Anything, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, well, that's all we got today. Uh Hopefully you enjoyed some of those creative segments that we had planned. And yeah, this has been Light It Red. Music in this podcast was Jonas Hipper's King of Sports and Vibe and Sneaky, licensed under Creative Commons from the Free Music Archive. 